This Dharma talk by John Sutherland, Self and Soul, Koan 3, was given at Cerro Gordo Temple, Santa Fe, New Mexico, on May 6, 2010. Good evening, Bodhisattvas. Um, we're going to spend just this last night on the koan. I brought it a while ago, so anybody who hasn't um, as yet memorized the koan, look, copy of welcome to take the card. Once Majushri, the Bodhisattva of Wisdom, set out for a place where many enlightened ones had assembled with the Buddha. When he arrived, he found that all the enlightened ones were returning to their original dwelling place. Only a young woman remained, seated in deep meditation near the Buddha. Majushri asked the Buddha, Why can the young woman get near your seat when I cannot? The Buddha replied, Awaken this young woman from her meditation and ask her yourself. Manjushri walked around the young woman three times, snapped his fingers once, took her up to the heavens, and exerted all his supernatural powers, but he couldn't bring her out. The Buddha said even a hundred thousand Manjushris couldn't wake her up. Down below, past lands as innumerable as the sands of the Ganges, was the Bodhisattva of delusive wisdom. He will be able to bring her out of her meditation. Instantly, the Bodhisattva of delusive wisdom emerged from the earth and bowed to the Buddha, who made his request. Delusive wisdom stepped before the young woman and snapped his fingers once. At this, she came out of her meditation. Then uh, I mentioned that the uh, person who turned this story, which is from Nald Sutra, into a koan, by changing the pure white bodhisattva, the, the bodhisattva of pure white wisdom into the bodhisattva of delusive wisdom, that person, woman, also wrote a verse comment on the koan. And the verse goes, one can bring her out, the other can't. Both of them are free. A god mask, a devil mask, even in failure, an elegant performance. So I want to speak a little bit more about this um, relationship between Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of um, insightful wisdom, clear insight, and the Bodhisattva of delusive wisdom, and how that relates to the soul and the self, as we've been talking about it, and how that relates to uh, the redemption of the self, the mistaken consciousness. Uh, and then I'd love to hear any, any comments or questions or insights you've had yourself about the, the koan over this time. So I'll begin with um, the, the comment that Shibuyama Zenke made about this koan, which I think is so crucial. He said that um, the nature of delusive wisdom is the wisdom of differentiation. And the nature of Manjushri's wisdom is the wisdom based on equality. So what that means is 
the kind of wisdom that Manjushri represents, which we tend to idealize as being the, the ultimate of wisdom, the, the wisdom for which we, we seek, uh, the nature of that wisdom is based on seeing everything as absolutely equal to everything else. Each thing is the same in, in the most important terms as everything else. Everything is already perfect and radiant and complete. That's Manjushri's wisdom. That's sort of the view from the Crystal Palace of Manjushri. In contrast to that, the wisdom of differentiation sees the differences between things. So Manjushri says, oil spill in the gulf, dog licking my hand, absolutely equal, no difference. The Bodhisattva of delusive or differentiating wisdom says, oil spill in the gulf, dog licking my hand, big difference, really important difference. Both those things are true. Neither of them is everything that's true. Each is necessary, but neither is sufficient. So let me try to make that case. Um, when we have this young woman who's sitting deep in meditation, and when we have the circumstances of this koan, um, one of the things that some koans will do, not all koans are the same, koans do different things, but there is a a, a group of koans, uh, a cohort of koans, a tribe of koans, a um, flock of koans, <laughs> that, that do something in particular, which is that they raise an apparent tension or duality. And here we've got delusive wisdom and Manjushri's wisdom. They raise this apparent duality. And we can, if we, if we take the bait, as we say, we can think that our task is to decide between them, which is the right wisdom, which is the one that I should go for. But the, the um, intent of the koans, of this flock of koans, is to notice how we respond to duality by trying to choose, by thinking we have to pick, and then doing something else, which is to look for the ways in which the duality is actually false. It's a, an artifact of our way of perceiving things rather than of the way things actually are. And that our, um, our practice, our way, the thing we hope to do that is so essential is first to pull the two dualities together and kind of hold them simultaneously, but next to mix them up, um, to, to absolutely sort of mush them together and let them wrestle with each other and, and permeate each other so that a new thing, a third thing, is created. And that third thing is the resolution of the koan. So, from the perspective of the koan, this is, this is so essential and important. The way to resolve an apparent duality is not to pick 
one way, one pole or the other, but to bring the two things together to make one that is a third thing that has not yet existed in the terms of the duality, a third thing that's different than either of the, the two poles. So to kind of ground that down in the story and in human life, when this woman is sitting here, the way the story is told, you might be forgiven for thinking Manjushri doesn't do anything. Nothing. He's, he's ineffective. He comes and he does his thing, and nothing happens. But in fact, I want to suggest that maybe something really does happen with Manjushri. It's just that it's not happening on the visible level, in the world of form, as it does with delusive wisdom. She's deep in samadhi. She's dropped down into that place where her Buddha nature is, is potential, where her Buddha nature is gestating and has been gestating her whole life. And so it seems to me quite possible that his circling her and his snapping his fingers once, and Margot, you pointed out the difference between the one snap and the three snaps. And there you have the difference between equality, oneness, everything is one, and differentiation, everything is different, which is delusive wisdom. So he circles her, he snaps his fingers, and he takes her up to heaven. And it seems quite possible to me that in that deep samadhi, in, in her being dropped down into her potential Buddha nature, she sees the view from the crystal palace that floats in the heavens. She sees the wisdom of equality. She sees everything as shining, perfect, complete, and absolutely equal to everything else. But all of that is going to happen Inside, you know, as an interior event, as something not visible in the world or on the surface of her. So, let's say that that actually Manjushri doesn't fail. Manjushri does what Manjushri can do, which is show her the wisdom of equality, and that is the that is the 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 spark, the the thing that lights up her Buddha nature so that it begins to um, to manifest, to come out of that womb of the Tathagatagarbha. And what happens when that wisdom of equality, which is um, such a deep and powerful thing to experience, what happens when it begins to move, when it begins to rush up and out into the world, which it does? The first thing it hits is the seventh consciousness, the mistaken consciousness, which we've identified with the self and with the bodhisattva of delusive wisdom. So the first thing that that wisdom of equality runs into is the wisdom of differentiation. Bang. That's got to be the first and most important mixing. It does not come out pure into the world as... Um, as an understanding of the equality and perfection of everything. Immediately it hits, no, things are different. And something has to happen there, where those two things mix, permeate each other, and then the whole thing together comes out into the world. It's the product of that mixing that is the wisdom and the compassion that we bring out into the world. Um, 
there's something quite beautiful about being in a state of the wisdom of equality. And there's something quite extraordinary about feeling this absolute love for everything. Um, It's also true that if you are another, if you're a person near somebody in that state, there's something quite disconcerting about it. We don't like to be loved because you love everything equally. (laughs) Right? We want to be loved for ourselves. Right? We want someone to gaze on us and say, I love you because you're you, not because I love everything all the same. Right? So I'm trying to give a feel for the importance of the wisdom of differentiation, the wisdom of differentiation that says, I love you because you're you. You know, I love this tree because it's this tree. I love this dog looking in my hand because it's this dog who looks this way, this hand. And in fact, that, you know, I, I might even go so far as to say that it's that wisdom of differentiation that brings in the possibility of love at all. Love as we understand it, because love is based on the particular. Love is based on appreciation of, of something or someone for itself. Um, there is this kind of other, you know, undifferentiated love, but I'm, I'm not sure that's... That might be something else. We might need another word for, for that. So when you bring in the wisdom of differentiation, when you, you, you bring in that particularity, you bring in this whole um, realm, this whole world of, of risk. Love is risky. Seeing things in, in their particularities and appreciating them is really risky, much more risky than loving everything absolutely without question. You also bring in the possibility of Noticing that there's a difference between an oil spill and a dog's lick, and therefore being able to respond in a way that is helpful in the world, in a way that that carries compassion with it. We might say that there is a a compassion in Manjushri's wisdom, but it's a pretty cool compassion. It's a pretty sharp, diamond-like compassion that will just cut us away from our delusions. and it's also true that the, that the love that comes out of discrimination can get into all kinds of troubles itself, you know, in the other direction, in the direction of too much feeling and too much investment and um, an inability to separate from the other and make the clear distinctions and all of that. So, so the point being that they need each other to have a full-bodied wisdom you need both equality and differentiation in equal measure, and you need the thing that is born from the mixing of those of those two things. Um, differentiation, when it is carried on a fundamental understanding of equality, is so powerful and committed to loving the world. Um, Differentiation without that foundation, that wave underneath of equality, 
can, can fall back into mistaken consciousness and can make its decisions about differentiation based on the criteria, criteria of what's good for me, what's bad for me, what I like, what I don't like, what I think is good, what I think is bad, right? That's differentiation without equality underneath it or mixing with it. Does that make sense? So it falls back into all of those sort of bad self things, you know, those things, the things that are really create difficulty for us. But with equality, with that understanding of equality, those criteria for dividing things up fall away. And we come to see things as they are and love them for exactly what they are, not for what they mean to us. So that's the tremendous importance of having those two things mixed together. And um, I, I believe that that somehow is part of the way that the problematic self gets redeemed. When, when Buddha nature begins to rise up and carry the self, when the soul begins to rise up and carry the self with it, something happens where the the small, narrow concerns of the self are replaced with this um, bigger vision, Manjushri's vision. But the understanding of the importance of differentiation, the understanding of the importance of seeing things for what they are does not disappear, does not go away. And that, that's the right verb, and that grounds Manjushri's wisdom and makes it useful in the world, helpful in the world, kind in the world, effective in the world. It's not otherwise. It is not. It doesn't do anything. But that allows it to do something. And that's very, very powerful. So, Manjushri gives the young woman the gift of the wisdom of equality. Delusive wisdom gives her the gift of the wisdom of differentiation. Everything's different. And up she wakes. Because those things have mixed in her. Not because Manjushri failed and, and delusive wisdom succeeded, but because both things happened, they have mixed in her, and the result of that is awaken the world out into the world. And awake, not having abandoned the self or dismantled the self or cut the self off, but redeemed the self and bringing the gifts of the self, the power of the self, into the world in a way that it can be genuinely useful. So, you have this... um, absolute deep appreciation for the mysterious truth that everything is radiant and perfect just as it is and equally you have this deep, deep commitment to seeing everything for itself appreciating everything for its particularity and loving it for itself and coming into relationship with it with both of those viewpoints present. And then 
I think in some very important way, the practice is about, you spend then the rest of your life seeing what is the third thing that happens when those two things mix together. And that third thing that happens when those two things mix together might be called a human life, lived completely. So maybe that's that's enough for this for this bite. Um, but as I said, I would I would welcome anything you have to say, any questions or comments. These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at joansutherlanddharmaworks.org.